As you remain standing, I invite you to the word of the Lord, the book of Acts, chapter number 27, book of Acts, chapter 27, amen. I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord today, amen. I'm thankful for the church. Not, not a denomination, but the church of the living God. Amen. Verse 27, Acts chapter 27. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And sounded and found it twenty fathoms, and when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. As the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. Amen. Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. I want to preach for a little while on the safety of the ship. The safety of the ship. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Father, we need you right now, asking God that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say unto the church. God, I know you want to speak to us. I know, God, that you want to minister to someone here today. Let it be so that we hear your word. In Jesus' name, can we clap our hands and give God praise. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated today. The word of God that we have at our disposal is a tremendous source for direction and encouragement, wisdom and inspiration. It reveals to us so many men and women just like us that had questions and concerns. Their emotions were indeed real, and behavior at times was a cause for concern. Yet through it all, they walked with God. They didn't have the luxury of seeing how the end of their story would be, but we get to read from cover to cover the story after story of people just like us who walked with God in the midst of all of life's trials. They are proof to us that the end of the thing is indeed greater than the beginning of a thing. How many can testify today of a surety like the old song says that living for God gets sweeter as the days go by. 
The world can't sing that song because it doesn't get better when you live for the world. But when you're walking with Jesus, every day gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. The Bible says in his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures evermore. It says that he daily loadeth us with benefits. Come on, if you believe it, clap your hands unto God. The Bible says that the thief cometh but to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that they may have life, and that more abundantly. My friend, nothing is greater than living for God. Money can't buy that happiness. Degrees can't earn it. Pedigrees can't inherit it. And doctors can't prescribe it. But Jesus said, whosoever will. Let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. The Lord used one man, probably the person that people least expected to open the door to the Gentiles, and that man's name was Saul. Perhaps no one had a greater appreciation for this open door more than Saul did. Later becoming Paul the Apostle, Saul lived a, a life of harsh opposition. Or, or before becoming Paul the Apostle, he lived a harsh life of opposition to the gospel. He adamantly opposed Christianity. In fact, he sought out those who were Christians to have them persecuted and to have them uh, uh, locked up because he opposed uh, anything to do with Christianity. But all it took was one experience with God to turn his life around. Can I just remind somebody today, it doesn't matter how far they are, all it takes is one experience with God and God can turn their life around. Hey, he said it like this, and such were some of you, but you had an experience with God where it marked you forever. Paul never forgot that road to Damascus. I just got a feeling that he passed by that way more than once after his experience. You know how the mind works? You hear a song and it transports you. Well, I, I remember when I was doing this and I heard this song. And I you smell a fragrance. You start thinking about people that you know. My mama wore the same perfume for years. And I don't know anybody else that wears it. But if I smell it in a store, it's mama. Just like that. The mind landmarks go on vacation. I can tell you I was standing right here when I got this phone call. I remember my friend called me and said they were uh, expecting twins. 
And I was standing by the cinnamon roll shop right in, in uh, Silver Dollar City. Right when you walk in, there's a little porch. I can tell you where I'm standing. Landmarks. I just got to believe that when Paul traveled, he just had to stop on that road to Damascus. Y'all go on, just let me sit here for a little bit because this is that time in my life where God changed me, where God forgave me, where God gave me direction for, hey, do you remember that time in your life where God turned you around when you were headed the wrong way? Paul had to reflect a little while. Paul was so appreciative. He walked in a dimension that few have walked in. Abundance of revelation, intimacy with God. Yet all of that had to be coupled with hardship. Because God is a God of balance. And God said, Paul, to balance out the revelation that I'm giving you. There's got to be this thorn in the flesh. There's got to be everything that you've got to walk to to balance it out. See, we want the highs, but we want to reject the lows. But Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. Because if you're going to know God, you've got to know him all the way around. You can't just choose the high points. You can't just choose the, 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 the parts that you like about living for God. You can't be a miracle chaser without having to go through some problems. Book of Acts talks about many of his journeys. And on this particular journey, we find Paul as a prisoner. Once again, as the voice of reasoning in the midst of doubt and concern. On a ship, in the middle of a storm named Eurachlodon people began to panic because things were getting bad. Paul speaks up in verse 22. He says, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. In other words, Paul, you've got a destiny. And you've got somebody that you've got to stand before. And let me tell you the reason you're still breathing today is because there's a date with destiny that still is awaiting you. And God's not going to let you go until you fulfill your purpose and you fulfill your mission. Somebody needs to believe with me today that there's a reason I'm still here. Touch your neighbor and say, there's a reason you're still here. If God was done with you, you wouldn't be here. On the 14th day, they thought they were close to land. They threw out anchors about to flee the ship. The Bible said it like this, that they wished for the day. Have you ever been in the darkest time of night and the only thing you could do is wish for the day? 
Come on, I've been there. God, how long is this storm going to last? God, how long is this season going to keep going? God, how long is it going to stay dark? I tell you, that nighttime has a way of messing with your mind. I tell you, this, this is what messed with my mind when we went to the Philippines. We left at midnight from Houston. It was a 16-hour flight to Taipei, Taiwan. And it was dark the whole time. When we got on the ship, now here I am dressed nice. I'm a preacher. I look decent. When we get on the ship, well, not on the ship, on the plane. And they're handing out bags with, with eye mask, compression socks. I ain't never wore compression socks in my life. And everybody's getting up and going to the bathroom and putting on pajamas. And I'm looking around like, what in the world is going on? We're at a sleeping convention here. I, I didn't understand what was happening. These people had flown this flight before. We were going west, which meant we were leaving. We were going away from the sun. And so for 16 hours, it was dark. And we didn't see the sun until we hit Taipei. And it started slowly coming up. And then I realized that life has a way of making the nighttime last a long time. And it'll mess with your mind because your body's saying it's time to wake up. But the surroundings all around you are saying it's still night. It, hey, listen, you live for God any length of time. You're going to wish for the day. You're going to go to prayer saying, God, when is enough enough? When do I have to cry enough tears? When do I have to go through enough hardship? And Paul was looking around at a bunch of people saying, let's just get out off of this thing. And Paul said, spoke up and said the only way you're going to make it is you better stay in the ship. You better realize the safest place you can be is in the church. Let the winds blow. Let the storms rage. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Whatever you do, you got to stay in the ship. Friend, the world's not offering any safety. It's offering a sense of false security. Another bottle of pills will fix you. Another drink will fix you. Another relationship will fix you. Another night at a casino is all you need and you'll be rich and you'll, you won't have to work anymore. It's, it's a false sense of security. It's not security. Let me tell you, the ship is the safest place you could be. Does it have problems? Yes. But it's still better than being out in the world and trying to survive this thing on your own. If we've ever been in a time that we needed to get serious about salvation, it's right now. 
I'm not a prophecy scholar. I, 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 you, you can read it so many different ways and arrive at all these different conclusions, but I can tell you this much, God's coming back. I know that much. I can't sort out all the horses, but God's coming back. And if we will, Bible says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. It says now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Friend, the Bible told us that in the last days there would be scoffers and there would be mockers saying where is his coming? Y'all been preaching all these years that God's coming back and he hadn't come back yet. But the Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. But his Lord suffering to usward not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance we can look around and see that this world is getting worse and worse let me tell you the Bible says in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars You don't watch America as much as you need to watch the Middle East because everything's going to revolve around that river Euphrates. And all of those nations in that area, that's going to be where the World War III is going to start. I'm not saying the U.S. won't have a hand in supporting Israel. I'm not saying that. You watch the Middle East because Israel is God's time clock, not the United States of America. Israel is God's time clock. And, and, and we're not in the last minute no more. We're in the last seconds getting closer and closer and closer to the coming of the Lord. And now's not the time to have one leg off the ship and one leg in the ship. Now's the time to make sure we're steadfast, secure in the ship regardless of problems. Regardless of personalities, regardless of what I like or I dislike, I got to be in the ship. Bible said, Genesis chapter 7, that the world was full of evil. In so much that God said, I'm going to destroy it. They've turned this world into something that it was never intended to be as it was in the days of Noah. Do you think what you see in this world is what God intended for it to be? Absolutely not. What you're seeing is the byproduct of sin. It takes everything that was supposed to be good and it mars it and it makes it something totally different. And you you listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. Everything is tied to the dollar. Everything is about funding. And I know that we're isolated in some way from what is already going on in, in major metropolitan areas and, and bigger, bigger areas. But when a government says that you have to refer to that person by what they choose to be referred to as or will cut your funding, They tie it to funding. 
And so principals may not agree with it. Teachers may not agree with it. But they're going to, this is what's got to happen or you're going to lose your funding. I ain't making this up. It's already happening. So they're going to attach every, an agenda is going to be attached to a dollar. And if you, don't, if you don't let this person who identifies as a female dress in a female locker room or go to a female bathroom, then we're going to cut your funding. That's the world. That's the world. Everything, it's, it's, it's all strategic. It's all, it's all tied to the dollar. That's why if you see the entertainment industry, the ones making the most money, they're the ones that are using that Satan's using to, to spread his propaganda and to turn people away. At the listen to me, they just had the Christian awards for the year. The Dove Awards. They had drag queens. Go, go look it up. And now one of the songs climbing to the top is by a drag queen by the name of Famie Grant, which is a spinoff of Amy Grant. And it's climbing. It was at number seven on the Christian music. And your kids will be listening to it on a Christian radio station, and they don't even know it's a drag queen. That's the world we're living in. Go look all of it up. Because everything is about being politically correct and not offending anybody. You can't compromise truth because you don't want to offend somebody. Truth is truth. It's a sword. It cuts both ways. I challenge you to go look it up. Because more and more drag queens are getting into the Christian genre. It's happening. Go look up Famy Grant. F-A-M-Y Grant. Or P-H-A. Well, I don't know how to spell it. It's, it's ignorant anyway. It's a drag queen. That's what kids are being exposed to. And, it, and you have no way of knowing it's a drag queen if, you, if it comes across the radio. But it's all evil propaganda being pushed. God said there's, a, there's somebody right here who's maintained righteousness in the midst of evil. Noah will save you. Watch this. Never underestimate your walk with God and how it affects your family. Because he said, Noah, never said your kids are righteous. Noah, you have been righteous. But your family is going to be saved because you have walked with me. Don't you think for a moment you're wasting your time when you go to a prayer room or you go to church or you read your Bible because God says I'm going to count it to you for righteousness and your family is going to reap the benefits if they'll keep walking in the way. Watch this. You got to watch this. I believe Brother Greg, it's 1 Peter 2.5. 2 Peter 2.5. I read this this morning, and it just stood out to me. I'm going to start reading it. And spare not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth, the eighth. Let me just tell you how I think it was. 
It started with Noah, which would tell me he's the first. He's at the top. But when it was time to get on that ship, he was so in love with God and his family. Y'all start going. One, two, three. Because he said, if anybody's going to miss, I'd rather miss and my family be saved. I'll be the eighth person on that ark. I'll be the, I want to make sure my family is saved first. You got to get serious about this. If all you're doing is showing your family just to go to church, you're missing it. Missing it. Because the ship is more than a building. It's more than a building. The ship has to be built God's way. Because he said, I'm going to save you, Noah. But then I'm going to show you, this is how you build the ship. I tell you, the framework of that ship has to be our doctrine. If all he had was framework, the boat would not be a boat. But without the framework, he wouldn't have a boat. And the, 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 the framework of the ship is the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection. It's our core identity as it pertains to Acts 2.38. If we lose our framework, we don't have a ship. We've got to have the framework. But then that boat, that framework has to have sides. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Hey, you've got to have the fruit of the Spirit which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. It's more than just Acts 2.38. It's the whole ship. Don't let your conditions determine your commitment. It was a storm. We've all been in life storms. And when you're in the middle of a storm, you may not feel like going to church. You may not feel like praying. You may not feel like reading that book. If we go by feelings... Most of us wouldn't be here today, starting right here. Let's be real. Because that night lasts a long time. But you can't let your conditions determine your commitment. It don't matter how I feel. I got to stay in the ship. I got to do what I know I'm supposed to do. Because you never know who's watching you. You never know who's hanging upon you. Perhaps the saddest chapter in the Bible is Job chapter 1. Perfect and upright, feared God and hated evil. Yet everything he had was affected and the storms raged. Even his wife told him to jump ship. But Job had a resolve about him. I know I, I probably shared this story before. There was a sniper, well-known sniper, most of you will know, named Carlos Hathcock. The legend says that 
He was hunting for this one sniper in the jungles. Couldn't find him, and all of a sudden he saw a flash. And he looked, and it was that scope. And he shot through that scope and killed that other man in his face. He was sent on a mission. And I'm paraphrasing. It's a long story. I'm paraphrasing. He was sent on a mission to go and take out this one sniper. But it would require him, he studied the terrain, he would have to belly crawl inch by inch for hours. If not, if I'm not mistaken, it rolled over into the next day or possibly the following day. It was a long process. But he made a commitment and he started crawling. He was going so slow, ants began to eat away at him and insects and and, and, and he, he, ha- he was going to have to get to this little tiny ditch just a few inches deep for him to lay to take this shot. And in his own words, he thought about giving up. All of his surroundings and his circumstances were adverse. But he said, I laid there and I thought, I made this decision. When I was in my right mind. And he got himself together enough to finish the mission and to take out who he was supposed to take out. And can I tell you this? When you made a commitment and made your way to an altar, you was in your right mind. Don't let your circumstances mess with your mind. Don't let what you're facing cause you to throw in the towel prematurely just because you're sick in your body and just because you're going through adverse circumstances. But you need to get back to when I I made this decision when I was in my right mind. And it doesn't matter what I have to face. I'm still going through with this oh you got to understand today that your absence is just as powerful as your presence only a few were going to leave that ship but Paul understood the impact it would have on everyone else you may not think that no one will notice You may not think it's a big deal. I'm just going to miss one service. But this much I know, when you start missing one, it's easier to miss two. Then three's no problem. And you don't realize the people that you're affecting by not being in the house of God. Isn't it strange how you can be gone for one service and show up and you feel like a visitor? That's because when you detach yourself from the body, you start losing blood flow. There's something happened. There's something powerful when we come together, not just in a church setting, but just in any setting with people of like precious faith. We help each other. We encourage each other just by being there. Just by being there. The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Do you think for a moment everybody on that ship that Paul was on was alike? No. 
prisoners. They all had problems. They all made mistakes. Sounds a whole lot like a church. Because the fact is, if it weren't for the church, we probably wouldn't even know each other. Well, unless you're double first cousins in Catahoula Parish. That's a joke. I'm not, that's, not an, that's not an insult. It's a joke. What I'm saying is what brings us together is the ship. It's the ship. We ought not despise the ship. You think everybody on that ship got along or had the same interests? No. Nobody ever said the church had to be full of people that always agreed on everything. No. But you can have a spirit of unity without seeing eye to eye. Because it's about the ship. It's about the church. It's about the mission. It's about the gospel. It's about reaching as many people as we can. There is safety. If you believe it, stand to your feet right now. Musicians, you can come. You say, preacher, you didn't read the end of the chapter. Because that ship got destroyed. It broke up. It was torn to pieces. You're right. But they all got to where they were supposed to be going. In other words, the ship served its purpose. And there will be a day when this ship will no longer be needed. And they will be beating on the doors by the thousands. But the ship has sailed on. This is how beautiful the mercy of God is. The Lord said, the master went and hired servants. This is what I'm going to pay you. All right, sounds good to me. Went back a few hours later, hired more for the same reward. A few hours later, hired more for the same reward. Eleventh hour. Same reward. They got upset. We've worked all day. And you're going to pay them the same that you paid us? He said, hold up. Have I done you wrong when I'm giving you what we agreed upon? I'm not giving you, I'm not doing you wrong when I'm giving you what we agreed upon. I'm thankful for those people that's been in the ship from the beginning. I'm thankful for those that have been in here for five years, two years. This is how merciful God is. There's going to be people get in the ship at the last second. And that ship's going to set sail. And they're going to get the same reward. And we ought not be upset about it. We ought to be saying, thank you, Jesus. You held off your coming for my baby to get in the ship. For my brother to get in the ship. For my fellow my fellow 
person to get in. I just want people to be in the ship. Come on, if you're thankful for this ship, I want you to come down and lift your hands toward heaven. I want us to thank God for the church this morning.